Viv, and you're listening to the What Gives Podcast. Now, typically when I have someone on the pod, I've usually known them in my personal network or I work with them before, but I actually stumbled upon Experience Camp at South by Southwest this year, and I was automatically enamored by their work. Um, They work in the realm of grief, which is already really hard to talk about. And in 2021 and 2022, I've actually experienced a lot of grief myself. Um, I lost my brother, my best friend, my grandma, and my cat. And it was just a lot to try and operate normally in those times. And actually, there are literal gaps in the what gives seasons that was when I was going through those times. And so when I met Jesse at South by, it was such a chance happening. I attended um, a session on death and I automatically had to approach her after that session. And she gave me a pin that said dead sibling club. And immediately I felt seen and I just know that's what her and her team does for others at Experience Camp, which is their organization. So I am so excited to have Jesse on the podcast to talk about their work and just, you know, share everything that they know around grief and how we can talk about it more openly. And yeah, thanks for joining us, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Uh, those dead sibling club pins are my heart. So hearing you say that uh, you felt seen with them makes me tingly inside. I'm so glad to be here and to have met you. And um, yeah, really excited to talk about grief, something 100% of us are going to experience in our life. Uh-huh. I love that you said that 100% of us. Um, so first off, I would love if you could, you know, really tell us what Experience Camp is, the mission and how that was realized. I mean, I feel like a lot of us know grief, but to really just step out of our grief and be able to connect with others seem like kind of a very impossible thing to do. And y'all are doing it on a really big scale. Um, So yeah. Yeah, of course. So Experience Camp started sort of on a happy accident. Our CEO uh, married into the camp industry. Her husband owned a summer camp um, in Maine, and they were actually approached by a another grief camp that was specifically for girls. Um, and they approached my, my, my boss, my CEO, and said, would you be willing to do something because all of these kids that we're helping have brothers and we don't have a program for them. Um, so our CEO was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's try it. We know camp really well. So they actually brought, I believe it was 27 kids in 2009 to Camp Manitou where the first ever experience camps was held. I don't even think it was called experience camps then it was called like camp, you know, Manitou foundation or something like that. And, you know, they always talk about this moment on one of the last days of camp where, somebody stood up and they had done this activity where they each were asked to write a letter, a letter home. It's sort of a letter home because when you're at camp, you write letters home to your, your caregivers, your siblings, whoever, whoever's at home. So they, you know, wrote this letter home to the person that had died in their life, telling them what had happened during the week and what they were up to and what was going on in their life. And they tell the story where someone stood up and read the letter in front of 
you know, the 27 kids and the couple of counselors and clinicians that were there. And Sarah, Darren, our CEO, uh, recalls like standing there and being like, holy moly, what have we done in like an amazing way? Like to see that, that person stand up there, read that letter. And I think it hit her like, this is so necessary. And how can we bring this to more people? Um, so fast forward, you know, many new camp openings. We're, we're in six states across the country now, um, 12 programs. We're going to serve 1,200 kids this summer. Um, so it has grown massively since that first camp back in 2009. Um, and in addition to our summer camp programs, um, you know, COVID was was really, really tough on everyone, on organizations, on people, on grief, on the world, on everything. Um, who say like a small silver lining, if you can even call it that, of COVID was that we started doing online programs. Um, we did an online camp, but we actually started thinking about the recent stat came out last week, the updated number that 6 million kids in the United States will experience the death of a parent, sibling, or primary caregiver by the time they're 18. Like a year ago, it was 5 million. So it's growing. Um, And so we know that there's 6 million kids out there that are going to experience this. And we're serving 1,200, which is incredible, which is incredible. Really, 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 really incredible. But how do we reach those 6 million? So we're actually now doing programs online. We're meeting kids where they are. We have programs in Minecraft. We have programs in Roblox. We're on TikTok where all the kids are, you know, sharing the stories of our campers and and creating micro communities um, within each platform, which I think sort of is the essence of all of this um, because grief is so, so lonely. I I know you know this, you know, you've experienced, um, you know, the death of of your best friend, of your brother, of your cat. And, you know, during COVID, I lost all four of my grandparents. I lost my mom. Um, I lost an uncle. So <laughs> you're in good company here. But, you know, I think at the essence of it is grief is so lonely. It is so lonely, especially when you're a kid. Uh, you know, we have kids that tell us all the time, like, I'm the only kid in my class that has experienced this. I'm the only kid in my class that's experienced this. And therefore, I'm bullied. Like the stories we hear are just you know, makes you want to like take all of these kids and, and put them under your arms and, you know, back away bullies. But I think at the essence of, of all of our programs is the community aspect of being around people who understand what you're going through, who maybe it's not the same experience. Maybe it is. Um, maybe it's not the same person that died in their life. But at the end of the day, to be around people who understand grief is life changing. It, it really is life-changing. And honestly, just being in that session with, I don't know how many, there's so many people in that session at some yeah. point. I just didn't realize there was people interested in talking about it because it seemed so taboo because the people you love most who may not really understand or who didn't lose the same people that you did, how uncomfortable they might get or quiet. I, it makes it is very lonely and you you get in your mind about telling people about this anymore or you're just like, there isn't a community that is out there for me. It is very, very lonely. And honestly, just hearing you talk about this makes me realize this pod is going to be so hard to get through without <laughs> hearing up. Um, I'm here for it. All of you, like, that's that's the, the best thing about pe- being around people that understand. It's you're not making anyone uncomfortable. Like, 
I'll sit here and cry with you. I'll sit here and laugh with you. I'll make dark humor jokes with you. Like we could talk about the worst parts of grief and the gifts we've been getting. Like I'm here for it all. And I think when you're around people that understand that and aren't willing, are are able to not hide away from those things. And and I'm not saying that grief isn't hard and that we can't take time for ourselves and, and say things like, I'm, I don't feel like talking about that right now, but being around people who get it, um, it, it really makes a difference. And, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do at experience camps and, and, and is a big, big part of my job is trying to make the people who don't get it feel a little bit more compassionate and feel able to talk about it because that's huge, right? Like there's so many people out there that are grieving, but there's so many more that aren't. And if we can have those people look at us and, and not pity us or, you know, choose empathy over sympathy and be able to sit in the muck with us, yeah. then, you know, that taboo, that goes away. Well, right away, I want to ask, what is, like, what could we say to that community who may not understand, but also connect them more with I want to say our community, but it will be everyone's community, right? You said a hundred percent of us will feel this one day. So yeah. How, how can we connect them? Yeah. I mean, this is the mission of a lifetime that I've taken on is, is to get people to be comfortable talking about it. Um, and like I said, on the, the South by panel, I think it's simple. I, I think it's talking about it. I think to be able to look at someone and say, and even if you don't know what to say, say, I don't know what to say. I've done that to people before and I'm a griever myself. I've done that to people. I don't know what to say. I have no idea what to say, but I'm sitting here with you and I'm going to listen to you. And if you want advice, I'll give you advice. If you want me to, you know, go out and get you groceries, I'll go out and get you like to be really specific and to sit in it with people. I think it's simple. I think it's just being able to turn towards grievers instead of turn away from grievers. But I think kind of, to answer your question, rolling with the punches of the people who are grieving and following their lead. So yeah. if we sit there and we talk about it, we're okay with hearing dark humor. We're okay with hearing difficult stories. We're okay with just following the lead of the person. And I think this goes for so many taboo topics, right? In so many different communities that are struggling to be seen and heard. All we want is for people to, to sit in it with us, to say, I see you at the end of the day, right? It does, it's not rocket science. You're not going to solve anything. You're not going to make me last, less sad. You're not going to take my pain away. You know, you hear a lot of people say, oh, I didn't bring it up because I don't want to make you more sad. I don't want to make you sad. Well, you're not going to make me more sad than I already am. I'm, you know, I'm devastated. This is one of the worst things that's ever happened to me. If you yeah. say, hey, tell me a story about your brother, I'm not going to be like, yeah, that made me sad. I'm going to, you know, maybe it's different for other people. But for me, I'm going to be like, thank you so much for asking because people don't really ask me that. So I think at the end of the day, it's simple things. It's talking about it. It's sitting with it, showing up for people, actually showing up for people. Um, and, and you know what? I think when it comes to death, dying, and grief, people are so scared because it's one of the most painful things to experience. And if you haven't experienced, you're, you, you push away from it, right? Because it's scary and it hurts. But I think if people could understand that it's going to happen to everybody, and if we start talking about it now, especially if you start talking about it before it happens to you, you might be better off. Yeah, I think honestly, if I had an ex- an experience or a community like experience camps when I was younger or even in adulthood right now, that would be 
tremendously helpful to me. And also there was just so many great lessons that you gave us there. And a few more that I remember from your session at um, South by was talking about how we can celebrate certain holidays, being mindful to other people like Mother's Day, Father's Day, and even how we talk to each other on social media, what we're asking during dates, you know, Um, I would love if you can go into those things and just remind us some of the things we can think about when we talk to regular people, even if we don't know what's going on in their lives. Yeah, that's an amazing point. And something that I also think carries over in in so many different ways. Um, I think as a country, we need to remember that not everyone is the same. And I think that's where we run into trouble, that everyone has different setups in their family. Some people don't live with their parents Some people live with grandparents. Some people have two moms. Some people, you know, go back and forth between two countries. Like there are so many ways to be a family. And I think it starts with understanding that not everybody's the same. And I'll give a few examples. Um, the last two Mother's Days without my mom have been extra brutal because of the emails that I've been getting from companies. I remember last year I got an email and the subject line was something like, <laughs> it's like, buy your mom the best present you can get her. And it was, I opened up the email and it's like, obviously they're trying to sell me something, but you're hit every time someone makes an assumption about you. It's just like a bigger life lesson. Every time someone makes an assumption about you, it can hurt really, really badly. It can hurt really, really badly. I even think about, um, you know, we have kids that will tell us when they're in school and they have to do a family tree, you know, and they're like, all right, put your mom up here and put your dad up here and then your grandpa. And, you know, there's a million reasons why that's wrong and, and that shouldn't be said that way. Um, but, you know, we have kids that have to raise their hand and say, what do you do if your dad's dead? And there are just so many of these situations where people are making assumptions about other people um, that really, really, really sting and just remind you in these situations that are supposed to feel like normal, like Mother's Day. It's very innocent holiday. It's like celebrate a mom if you have a mom. Um, But I don't anymore. My mom's not alive. So if you're going to send me an email telling me to do something for my mom, it's going to sting a little bit. So we actually at Experience Camps created a petition last year, sort of based on me being angry. Um, that's the best part about working at a grieving organization <laughs> while you're grieving is that I'm like, hey, I saw this thing. We got to do something about it. Um, so we created like um, a change.org petition um, calling on companies to offer an opt out service. So, you know, a few weeks before, which would be like, is gonna, we're going to do it again this year. So. Uh, look out for that. Um, but, you know, in like two weeks from now, recording this in April, um, you know, saying, hey, we know that not every family looks the same. If you're not interested in receiving Mother's Day promotions, opt out right here. And it doesn't mean we're removing you from our massive emailing list. It just means for this week or this few weeks that we're going to bombard you with things that say mom and mother, you're out and you're good. So being able to shift the way we talk about families and and assuming things about people, um, you know, is going to help alleviate some of that, that burden and that pain on grieving people. Yeah, I think that's so important. And I know y'all serve 1200 kids now. And that's huge. And I just want to, you know, take a second to 
sort of celebrate the milestones that y'all have had, the achievements, the partners, even this petition sounds really cool. Just like, I just want to know all the things about experience camps that we can all get involved in. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a lot going on. So I'll preface it by saying definitely visit our website. We're experiencecamps.org and our social media. We're experience camps across the board. You can find us on all of the platforms. Um, there, there are multiple ways to get involved and we've been growing steadily since 2009. We open new programs every couple of years. We're actually opening um, a program this summer right outside of DC in Maryland. Um, so that's a new program. Um, and Every year we're kind of, we're looking for more and more kids, which means we're looking for more and more volunteers, which means we're looking for more and more clinicians. Um, So my favorite way for people to get involved is to come to camp. That's how you can really, really see the impact of of what we do uh, on these campers. And the coolest thing is that our campers come back an average of five years in a row. So this is not a program where we take these kids for six days we open them up, we, we show them, you know, how, how to talk about grief and, you know, different coping mechanisms, and then we throw them back in the world and say, good luck with the rest of your life. This is not that. This is, this is their becoming part of a community. So our kids are coming to us an average of five years. So the most beautiful thing to me is being able to see the transformation. So you get a kid at nine years old, whose person died maybe a year ago. And then by the time they're 17, they're maybe still with us. And the coolest thing also is that maybe they come back and they become a volunteer and they pay it forward. That happens a lot. A lot of our campers will go through the program, stay a couple of years and then turn around and become a volunteer and serve the other kids. Um, I think just knowing firsthand the impact that the program has on them and they feel really, really empowered. And, you know, our two oldest um, age groups, we call them leaders in training. Um, and they're 17, 16 and 17 years old. Some of them are 18 and they're at camp, but they're also learning different life skills and learning how to be leaders. And so because of those trainings and, you know, being empowered by the program, being able to talk about grief and, and, you know, really processing their trauma and their, their experience with experience camps, experience with experience camps, they come back and they serve little kids, they, when they're LITs, leaders in training, they become mentors to little kids. And, you know, then they come back and they volunteer with us. So, um, you know, if you could refer campers to us, that's always really huge. And you don't have to be from the States. We have campers from multiple countries. We have kids come from Iceland and Japan and Spain. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, and we always need volunteers. Um, we're, we're pretty staffed for this um, upcoming summer just because it's getting close. But I know we do have a couple of spots left, especially for men. Um, and yeah, but if you if you um, submit a volunteer application, you'll be in our database and we can send you emails and all of that good stuff. Um, we're always looking for volunteers for our Minecraft program, which is online. You don't have to leave the comfort of your own home. Um, there are there are plenty of ways to get involved. Um, you can also create your own fundraiser. You could do an event at your school. There's so much. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to talk to anyone who might want to be involved, but definitely check out our website. We've we've got so many ways for, for people to show up for these kids. That's awesome. And now I think when we talk about like grief work, there's this connotation that it looks like it's a 
support group where you're sitting in a circle mm-hmm. and you can go around and say your name, or you're sitting with one other, a therapist type situation where it's very clinical. So I would love if you could share some actual stories from the camp and like what, what really happens there. Yeah. 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 Great question. So um, we always like to say that sometimes our camp can sound like broccoli, but it's really ice cream because what we know about kids is if we put them in a situation where they're sitting in a, a circle talking about grief or they're one-on-one with a counselor, like that can't last six days. It's impossible. They're not, nobody's going to want to come. That doesn't sound fun. That sounds really sad. And that's what people, when you're a grief camp, think of, I get it. Um, But we know that kids, we have this dual processing model, basically, of what we know about kids, which is the joy and the grief need to coexist because that's what needs to coexist in their life for them to be, you know, out in the world and and doing all the things. It doesn't mean like there's not fluctuations, but to have joy and play and grief exist in the same space is like the cornerstone of our model. Um, So actually, it's only once a day that our kids are in a clinical activity. Now they have clinicians around them and they have um, grief specialists around them. And obviously every other kid there has experienced this. So it's constantly present, but it's actually only once a day that our kids go into a clinical activity. Um, And those can look really different. Um, We have your classic sharing circle where they do sit in a circle, say their name, who died in their life, how they're doing. Um, But the cool thing about that is it's really peer supported. Um, So while we do have a grief specialist present, someone who's a therapist or social worker in their um, you know, normal life, uh, there, they're more of a facilitator. So, you know, one kid will talk and another kid will say, Hey, that happened to me too. And it's, it's super peer supported, which is really cool. Um, the other activities that it might be are more art or expressive based activities. So you might get a slam poetry. So the kids are picking out words that describe their grief and performing slam poetry or, or reciting a poem for the group. Um, One of my favorite activities that we've done for for a clinical activity is we got the kids these, they call them like phantom of the opera masks. You know, they have like a, you know what I mean? Um, And so we asked, you know, this thing, um, we asked the kids on the outside of the mask to take markers and crayons and color pencils and draw what they show to the world. So, you know, you have kids drawing their hobbies and writing words like happy and smiley faces. And then we asked them on the inside of the mask to draw what they hold inside and what they really feel. And those two sides were so different. I saw one kid, um, he had just colored the inside of his mask black and he shared that he felt really empty and just full of darkness. But if you looked on the outside of his mask, like he had drawn happy faces and I think it was like a basketball or a soccer ball, some of his hobbies. So to have kids speaking their truth in a group of people about the ways that grief impacts them, the good, the bad, the ugly, is really powerful. And it's like these tiny little moments that allow them to see that they can share those things in the world, the good, the bad, the ugly, the darkness, and the light. So to create a space for kids where they can come and show up authentically and speak their truth, even if it's hard, right? Like I know when my brother died, people would say, oh, don't, you got to be strong for your your parents. You got to be strong for your parents. This is a space where we don't say you have to be strong for your parents. We don't say you have to be the man of the house. We don't say, you know, we've had kids that show up and start cleaning the other kids' bunk beds. We're like, no, 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 you don't have to clean anybody else's space. Tidy your own space, but we don't have to clean anyone else's space because they're so used to showing up in specific ways now that somebody in their life is missing, right? We have kids who 
come with, you know, they have four siblings and now a single parent. And so the kids are having to show up in ways and mature really fast. So I think the most amazing thing about about Experience Camps is we let kids be kids. Yeah. And you did share like a story that honestly, I was holding it together when I first met you. And then you shared the story about all, all the kids got their bunk beds together. And I was like a mess. And I had to go yeah. to work after that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a great story. I'm happy to share it. Um, we hear so many stories from our kids and, um, you know, grief doesn't just show up at the clinical activities. It shows up throughout the week when you're walking to the dining hall, when you're late at night in the bunk and, you know, having flashlight time and reading or playing back shows up in a million different ways. And um, we had a camper who had told us that he hadn't really slept through the night since his dad died. Um, and he shared that with his bunk, which I thought was amazing to share with them. Um, and I think it was the first night of camp, the kids decided to push their beds up against his to essentially hug him with their beds. So we're going to be right here for you. And we're going to, we're going to get you to sleep through the night. And he woke up the next morning and like the story throughout camp was that he had slept through the night because, you know, these six other kids in his bunk had slept side by side with him with their bunks uh, pressed up against his for support. And I think <laughs> that that's the epitome of experience camps like that. That is one example, but that idea of support in community and peer support and kids being there for other kids and having these transformational experiences, like that's the epitome of experience camps. Like that is what we are doing for kids. And that's what we're trying to do for kids and in our other programs as well is just making safe spaces for kids to express themselves, to talk about their grief, to be supported by other people and to see that they're not alone. Yeah. And y'all are also teaching empathy, which goes so far in any and every other aspect of life, like not even just having to heal from this, this one aspect. So I think yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's this amazing Brene Brown video. It's like a little animation. It's like two minutes um, where she's describing empathy versus sympathy. And I think of our kids all the time. And I think of, you know, our society as a whole and the ways that we can support grieving people. Like we have to shift from sympathy to empathy because, you know, she describes it as like, you know, you see someone sitting in like a dark cave and, and being you know sad and lonely and sympathy is kind of sticking your head down into the cave and being like, you're right down there. <laughs> and empathy is crawling down into the cave with the person. And, you know, I brought you a sandwich, putting your arm around them and saying, I'll just sit here right next to you. And I think that's what we're teaching about experience at experience camps to our kids. But that's also the lesson we need to teach the world about showing up for our kids. Because I always say, it should not be on these kids to tell us, to tell other people how to show up for them, right? They're the, the leaders of their own grief. Yes, yes, yes. And yet they're kids and they need the people around them to be the best supporters that they can be. And I think if you have that empathy bone, if you are able to move into, from sympathy to empathy, even like sympathy cards, in the, you know, in CVS, when you go to buy something, they're called sympathy cards. <laughs> that's missing something to me. That's like, ooh, sorry that happened to you. Like, card? You know, we need to move more from sympathy to empathy in, in the ways we show up, especially for kids, for everyone, really. Yeah, for everyone. Absolutely. Um, well, 
I want to say, like, absolutely love our conversation, and I know you and I can keep going for yeah, the- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to listen to a four-and-a-half-hour podcast about grief. That's us. What? We'll make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> but before we leave off, I do want to ask you for wisdom to part with. Um, and I want to ask you, you know, I always ask, like, what gives? And this is a question um, about what it takes to change the perception of grief, maybe. Or you can do your own spin on it. Like, what, what's got to give? <laughs> so the way I like to talk about these kinds of things is I like to make it, like, really, really simple. Like, I'm not asking anybody to do rocket science. I would say turn towards it. If you're the grieving person, turn towards it. If you turn away from it, it's just going to come back and bite you. If you're not a grieving person, turn towards the grieving person. Listen to them. Talk to them. Ask questions. Ask for the person's name if you're just meeting them. Empathize. Turn towards the grief because if we turn away from it, it's going to be, <laughs> it's not going to be good for anybody, right? Because then the grieving person's going to feel alone. We know all the things that can happen if grieving people don't get the support they need especially kids, especially kids to bring back to kids, like turn towards the kids. Don't make them feel like other kids just want to feel like they belong. Invite them to, to your birthday party, show up, ask them about that. If it's, if you know the person's birthday or death anniversary, like put it in there, put it in your calendar. Remember there was a stat that came out um, about childhood grief where people on average stop showing up for a child after three months show up after those three months, please. <laughs> like grief does not stop after three months. There's no timeline on grief. Show up after those three months, show up consistently. This is a, this person was probably a really big deal in this person's life. Even if you know they, they didn't have a good relationship or whatever it is, like this is a part of this person's life. So to see them as a whole being and see them for everything that has happened to them, good and bad, just turn towards it, turn towards it. Thank you so much, Jesse. This has been such a great conversation and I know we can keep going forever, <laughs> but I just want to say like, I am so grateful to have met you, know you, like I just so blessed. So blessed. Hashtag blessed. I feel the same way. And um, from one grieving person to another, um, I have to ask, um, would you like to share your brother's name? Yeah, it's Liam or Alex. And then my um, cat's name was Aljun and my best friend's name is Siraj. So I love it. Thank you for asking. Thank you for being here. <laughs> I would love to come back anytime. And um, yeah, it's, it's so important to be having these conversations. So thank you for creating the space to, to talk about it. And um, yeah, I hope everyone listening can turn towards someone grieving in their life and just be there for them and, and be a good support system. So thank you to everyone who takes one small step today. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends. For more information, head to our website at whatgivesproject.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode.